Welcome in and welcome in on a Tuesday. Hope your day's going well. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio again today. Good to have you with us. Parker was uh, doing Tyler McComas' shift yesterday, so you had four hours. You had a real radio show. This is kind of like a, a microwave show right here, right? Two hours? I, I tell you what, Steely, if you got to hit the four-hour threshold for it to qualify as a real radio show... I don't know if I want to be a real radio host. Yes. Four hours is a long time. It's uh, Much respect to Tyler McComas, yes, who is absolutely. the only person at this station who does it on a daily basis. Well, and the thing is, uh, Tyler's a hard worker. He preps a lot. He's a true pro. But uh, we're running the half marathon here every day. He's running the full marathon. So major props to him. How was yesterday? Everything good? Everything was great. Fascinating discussions? Yeah, I would say, I don't know if fascinating would be the term I would apply, but it's always good for me and Teddy to get on the airwaves together because you never know where the wind may take us. We ended up talking about a former teammate of his that he had no idea I knew via the camp circuit. Really? Yeah, and so we ended up talking for quite a while about this bizarre mutual connection that we have with one of his former teammates in Detroit. So I think in the past we've talked about, like, new metal music. We've had we, we've had all sorts of interesting discussions on the five or six occasions that we've gotten to host a show together. Yeah, see, Teddy's an All-American linebacker and a super good guy and a, and a very good broadcaster. I doubt that Teddy gets a lot of that, get back to the Sooners, you know, if you talk metal music, because – People are aware that Teddy could find them and destroy them if he wanted to. Us, not so much. I mean, what am I going to do? Beat somebody with a cane? Probably not. That's about all I have now. So anyway, I want to talk, uh, and we're going to get into Sooner basketball coming up here in a little bit. We have T.J. Eckert at 1235. I think we're going to have Brandon Rabar at 135 today. But Chris Del Conte talking about moving Oklahoma, Texas. He has petitioned the SEC. Let's start playing Oklahoma, Texas in 2004 at 2.30. Now, we, how many roosters in a row have we had in the Cotton Bowl? It feels like forever. I don't know offhand. I feel like it's been about as long as I can remember. It's yeah, been 11 it seems that game. way. Look, they're not going to play it in the evening. They're not going to play it in the evening. I can't see that happening because of the fair traffic, because of people drinking those beers all day long, and then you're going to have people leave at, you know, 10, 10.30 at night or later trying to get through, you know, back to the hotel. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, but 2.30 to me seems like the perfect time. No rooster. You know, people will be driving back in the evening, but they won't have imbibed quite as much as they would have had the opportunity to do that, of course, all the way until uh, 6 p.m. kickoff. And beyond that, that could get a little risky for people, again, getting in and out of Fair Park. But I think it's the perfect time for you, Texas. Really? I, I hope it happens. Would you rather you have want to a know my obnoxiously specific reason why I actually prefer the rooster kickoff? For because OU, you media guys can get home earlier and you don't have to sit there, you know. No, it's not because we can get home earlier. It's because if you get to the fairgrounds before the fair opens, which I believe is at 7 a.m., it's literally the only time of day. That you don't have to stand in traffic for 60 mass, to 90 minutes yeah, to park. Yeah, the, the mass of humanity I, is not there yet. Nothing infuriates me like traffic. Nothing infuriates me like sitting in my car. 
I hate traffic as well. I don't think there's anybody who says, hey, raise my hand here. I love traffic, man. It's great. I love sitting in a vehicle and not moving. Yes, yeah, so I understand. Nobody's Pe- going to say that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, pe- people in general don't like traffic. I dislike traffic, I would say, much more than the average person. If there's a situation that can cause me to come unglued, it is when I am driving and I am stuck in obnoxiously long traffic. Oh, now, horrible, horrible. What I always do then is because it's an 11 a.m. kick at the Cotton Bowl, I show up right about 6.55, right before the fair opens. And so I get parked. It's generally pretty seamless. And guess what? I am in the stadium by 7.15. I have to wait three and a half hours for kickoff to even approach. But... It's worth it to me to spend that long waiting because there's always breakfast burritos from Rudy's down at field level in the media room, and I don't have to sit in traffic. There you go. Yeah, sitting in traffic is not cool at all. But I, I think, again, from a fan's perspective, two 2.30 is perfect. Uh, like it a lot. And, again, 2017, according to 405, was the last 2.30 kick. Was it 27? Oh, you know, that's, was that no, Baker, that's right. Was that Baker to Mark Andrews? Baker to Mark Andrews, yeah. that's yeah. right. That's right. There I were some shadows. That. That's one of the greatest photos of all time, by the way. Mark Andrews running for the end zone past the Texas cheerleaders and the Texas fans getting flipped off. Mark Desher, OU photo guy, was the guy who got that photo. And I have it hanging up in my sports room. It's one of my favorite framed pictures. Great stuff. But uh, 2.30 for OU Texas, I'm with that. Did you hear that Chris Del Conte said there will be no alternate uniforms, that burnt orange is the beautiful color of the sunrise? Have you seen a burnt orange sunrise? I've seen I a can't bright say I've ever sunrise. seen a burnt orange sunrise. So, And he's the, also talking about Texas playing seven home games a year. But he also said again yesterday that, hey, we're not going with any alternate uniforms. What we have works. The only place burnt orange exists in nature, and the only place it should exist, is on the backs of cows. Burnt orange is not an attractive color. Not a big fan. Although, I will say, Texas unis aren't that bad, though. There's something okay, about well, them. Okay, well, they're not that bad because they're minimalist. They like, are. They're not that yeah. bad because it's just burnt orange and white. Texas knows that burnt orange is not an attractive color, so... They haven't tried to get all wacky with their uniform designs like Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Yeah. I think that Oklahoma State, you know, kind of tried to be the Oregon of, uh, of this region with all the different uniform combinations. And personally, I think it's a great idea for Oklahoma State, you know. I don't. Uh, I, I think it's hideous, you generally don't like speaking. Them? I just think from a marketing standpoint, you know, you've got some different – maybe you don't think all of them are cool, but, you know, kids like all those different unis these yeah, days. Oklahoma State's retro unis are their best look, and it's not close. They're Same for good. Texas Tech. Yeah. Same for Texas Tech. Bring back the retro fits. I am so ready to get rid of Texas Tech. Yes, never play Texas Tech again. Never go to Lubbock again. Ever. Somebody on the text line said – I got to the Cotton Bowl early this past season and saw Parker walking in. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't see me walking out because I, I have I told this story the story as I was walking out of the Cotton Bowl after the 49 so. game. Oh my goodness, I about got into it with a security guard. Really? Yes. Paul Blart mall it took, cop. It took a lot of self-restraint. So I am walking out of the fairgrounds. Right? And so I get to the gate 
And of course, the gates, you have like five or six different gates all next to each other where people are streaming in and out, right? And I th there's this one gate that is literally just wide open, like no one coming through it, no one going out of it. And so I'm like, perfect. I see lines everywhere else. I'm just going to walk through this gate and get to the parking lot. Literally, this gate, this open gate is the only thing between me and the parking lot. And so I'm trying to walk through the gate, and I get stopped by the security guard who says, you can't walk through here. I'm like, why? She said, you have, to, you have to go around to this other gate. You have to walk around to where all these people are walking around. And I said, once I step through this gate, I'm literally just in the parking lot. You're telling me I, just, I, I, can't, I can't just walk through this? What, what is this gate for if not walking through? She said, you have to go around. So in that moment, I thought about just continuing to walk. But, you know, it was already a tough day as it was despite the fact that I was a little bit more uppity and combative than was probably the norm for me, I decided to just follow her orders. But it was very bizarre, so very odd So how many yards was the walk, uh, the, the new walk? It was probably a 50-yard walk, not well, terrible. You, but you I was walked like, more yards than Davis Bevel threw for, so it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> I'm like, listen, nothing about today has been fun for anyone involved. Can't I just go to my car? There's always that security guard that takes his authority way too seriously. Yeah, and also, like, I, again, if there had been a reason why I couldn't walk through the gate, I would have been like, fine. I've been like, I, but I, I'm, I'm standing there like, why? What's the reason? She said, you just can't walk through here. That was this it. This is why gates exist, Steely. For people to walk through them, in them, slash out of them. This is why there are gates at the Cotton Bowl. I bet that I was buddy, using the gate, I, attempting to use the gate for its intended purpose. I bet that guy went back to his buddy and said, cough up the 50, man. I told you I could talk that dude It was walking okay. to the other gate, didn't I? It was I? a lady, which oh, is probably lady. why I didn't end up trying to fight her on it. If it had been a guy, I probably would have thrown it back into his face a little bit more than I did. A throwdown at Fair Park. Wow. Could you see a Parker Thune mugshot? Can you imagine that? Parker's mugshot. There'd be it would look who was the uh, the senator back in the day? Tom DeLay, the senator, where he had that big smile on his face and his mugshot. He was like, This is going everywhere, so I'm gonna smile as big as I can. So anyway, interesting uh, interesting story right you there. You can't smile. On a mugshot. I don't care what the circumstances are. You smile for your mugshot, you just end up looking like one of those deranged psychopaths. Well, yeah. I don't think you'll ever have a mugshot. I would hope not, Vegas Steely. is saying it's a it's 501 that we'll ever see a Parker Thune mugshot. So, and I, I think they're right. All right, we want to thank Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, heating and air work. You need that done, taken care of. They'll do it for you. They've been in business locally in the Oklahoma City metro area for 16 years now. Give Tim Lasher, his company, a call, 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Good talk a little Sooner basketball, a lot of Sooner football. I want to talk about this, uh, this kid coming from Cameron to play tight end for OU. Maybe the Sooners have the next Antonio Gates from basketball to the Hall of Fame for football. We'll talk about that when we get back.
Riverwind Casino, it's a big weekend. It's always a big night at Riverwind. Uh, Saturday night, though, this uh, Saturday, uh, February 25. They will be giving away, just before midnight, five grand prize awards of $5,000 cash each to five different patrons in the Love to Getaway promotion. And they'll be having drawings all night as well. Uh, They're going to award a bunch of cash and bonus play in the preliminary drawings from 7 p.m. to 11.30. And then again, just before midnight, five grand prize winners will be chosen to win $5,000 in cash each. Get out to Riverwind Casino. Make sure you play with your wild card. Get those extra entries in, and you could win $5,000 in cash. That's a heck of a deal from our friends, again, at Riverwind Casino. We also have Beats and Bites coming back for another season, the Outdoor Concert Series presented by Coop Ale Works, beginning with the first show May 27th. 38 Special and Blue Oyster Cult will be the first show out in June. June 10th, the Gin Blossoms, Tonic, and Soul Asylum. In July, Mark Chestnut. In August, Gary Allen. Tickets are available right now at Riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a piece. All the great local food trucks, craft beer galore, from Coop Ale Works, it's a kid-friendly environment. Bring your folding chairs. You'll have a great time outdoors at Beats and Bites Festival 2023. And again, your first show out, Blue Oyster Cult, 38 special on May 27th. So, uh, do you know anything about this uh, transfer from Cameron, the basketball player, 6'5", 215, Josh Fanuel. I believe he was from A-Leaf Elsick. Is that right? Um I, you know, you just see the size and you get intrigued. And if you're yeah. a basketball player, you're a pretty good athlete. But the Sooners have a pretty pretty stacked tight end room right they now. They do, and the kid hasn't played football since his sophomore year of high school. So, again, this is something where if it works out, great. If it doesn't, nobody will remember, which is a win-win for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, man. I like look. Give an athlete like that a look. Absolutely. I think again, the, the, there's only upside there, right? Because they already have, I think, a pretty good tight end room. But sure, you know, when when Antonio Gates was a basketball player at Kent State and became, you know, a football draftee and had played some football in his past, he turned out to be pretty good. Now that he did. Now listen, he's this kid's not going to be Antonio Gates or Jimmy Graham or Mo Ali Cox or what have you. Uh, I don't know if he's that caliber of athlete. If he was, he'd be playing at a more prestigious basketball institution than Cameron. Probably, yeah. But the athletic profile is somewhat tantalizing. So we'll see what they can get out of him. Uh, again, you have four scholarship tight ends right now in Austin Stogner, Blake Smith, Caden Helms, and Jason Llewellyn. Cade McIntyre joining the room come June. So if he's any higher than sixth on the depth chart at tight end, by the time the fall rolls around, I'd be surprised. But nice to have another body, for sure. All right. In terms of the uh, interior defensive linemen, David Stone, Will Nawari, Xavier Sims, and Nigel Smith, is there any updates? I did see, was it you guys, 247, who had uh, – and I know you've always thought that David Stone would end up at Oklahoma, but increased the percentages that he was – going to be in Oklahoma sooner rather than uh, headed to Michigan State or somewhere else? No, it didn't increase the percentages. It was just a tweet that was put out about the crystal ball, the 24-7 sports crystal ball, which right now favors Oklahoma over Michigan State in David Stone's recruitment. No real update uh, on those two. To the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Brent from Jenks says, but you couldn't take Coleman, just mind-boggling. This Cameron kid is not on scholarship. That's the difference. Yeah, PWO. Malachi Coleman would have been on scholarship at Oklahoma. So, again, yeah. 
I will forever adamantly proclaim that, oh, you should have had made room for Malachi Coleman and found a way to take the kid. But that's not how it worked out. It is what it is. That was one of the strangest things about a lot of strange things happen, particularly, again, on uh, signing day. The Peyton Bowen thing takes the cake. But what happened with Malachi Coleman is always going to be kind of a mystery, I think. Yeah, again, and if you want the full story, head over to OUinsider.com. I did a big, long expose on what went on behind the scenes between OU and Malachi Coleman at the beginning of this month. So if you're curious, that would be the place to find all of the Malachi Coleman backstory. Speaking uh, of the OU Insider, sorry to interrupt, but you guys have a new uh, signee, right? Yeah, we do have a new signee. Jesse Crittenden, a five-star, was uh, you know was a, was a about, about a, a real high three-star for a while, and he kept going to these camps and coming on with us, and now he's a five-star, and you guys got the commitment. I, it, does it technically qualify as a portal addition? I guess so, yes. I think that's a smart move on his part, and he's really good. That's why we keep having him back on the radio. He's he's well-spoken, articulate, knows his stuff. That's a good addition. We got our guy. Yeah, and I know that uh, Joey Helmer will be missed because Joey did a great job, but that's a good pickup for you guys. Yes, it is, and we're excited about it. Uh, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Yardbird Richard says the media who stays late probably doesn't fully understand how much worse it is for fans just getting out of the Cotton Bowl Stadium itself. It's a 45-minute ordeal, and then getting out of Fair Park takes about another 45 minutes. Yes, no, I'm I, I'm with you, and trust me, I've experienced that too, Yardbird Richard. It's something that because the fair goes on all day, it really doesn't matter how late you leave. Right, that's something you have to deal with. It is very difficult. <laughs> to have seamless travel in and out of the Red River Showdown at the Cotton Bowl. It's a lot. I'm glad we only have to do it once a year. Um, On the text line as well. Hey, guys, do you all have a current OU student at the station? In my podcasting class today, he mentioned he worked for the ref. I'm guessing that would be Pierce, the intern. I would think so, yes. He's the only one that comes to mind, so probably Pierce. That's who that's in reference to. Uh, I left OU Texas with about 12 minutes left in the game. That game was so bad that we saw Bob Stoops walking out right beside us. Ugh. When Bob's leaving early, that's how you know it's a massacre. Yeah, it was a smart move by Bob. Hey, okay, everybody ready? We're getting our ass kicked. Let's get out of here. All right, at the end of the day, it's over. <laughs> Which of the new SEC team student sections is most likely to throw batteries at Parker? Okay, listen, common misconception here. I don't believe the batteries were thrown at me. I'm not that important. I was walking behind the OU bench and was nearly domed by a battery that was thrown in the direction of the bench. I'm fairly confident in asserting that those batteries, well, battery and or batteries, were intended for OU players and not me. But there was one that flew right by But I would say the most likely would probably be LSU because I said the LSU fans are, uh, they're creatures. They are not human. They're Cajun, yes, and not, Cajun not, creatures. They are creatures and not like a PJ Atabare type creature either. No, these are these are frightening, horrifying, downright, low down scumbag creatures. The LSU fans. Lower than tech, and that's about as low as you can go. You think there's an you think there's any LSU fan out there that knows how to play chess? I'm on a chess kick lately. Uh, maybe some donors up fans, in the luxury suites. LSU fans strike me as the type of human beings that don't know how to play chess. I feel like that's just a basic human skill. 
is the ability to play chess. Gunny of Stutzman Army says that tennis, Tennessee throws mustard, not batteries. Well, That's they right. did. Yeah, it was, yeah. was that Lane Kiffin? It was Lane Kiffin. Mustard. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Swamp creatures. <laughs> LSU. They you are. See, now you've riled up the There are a lot of swamps, line. and they're creatures. You've riled up the text line against LSU. You play chess, Steely? I don't play chess. I, really? I just never got taught to play. I'd like to learn, but I'm too old right now. Okay, I'll teach you. It's a, you, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Really? You can yeah. teach an old man how to play chess at this age? Yes, then you can flummox all the LSU fans. Well, just show up with a chess board and golly. make the first move. Really and truly, I like bought a chess set. It's still in storage somewhere, but I just never got around to it and uh, just never learned early. <laughs> One listener on the text line said, LSU fans play with their own chests. <laughs> They're downright dirty, man. What is that real horrible song that they all sing? It's so freaking uh, X rated. It's. I can't remember what it's called, but it's just like, man, there are children here. Remember the children, you scumbags from Baton Rouge. Ronnie Crimson on the text line said, recently went on a ski trip, had a Georgia fan in my ski class. He talked to me about his seven-year-old's game-winning pick six the entire time. Welcome to the SEC. Yeah, I can can hear that right now. Football is a way of life. Oh, here we go. We should play at night at the Cotton Bowl. Oh, it's scary there at night. No, it's not. Parker, so if it's an 11 a.m. game, you said you get there about three hours before. How long after the game you stay? No, I get there about four hours before, right about 7 a.m., a little before 7 a.m. I probably stay three hours afterwards, two or three hours. Yeah. Depending on – well, didn't Brent have like a 45-minute meeting with his team in the locker room afterwards before they showed up? Did you guys wait like an hour? This year? Uh, I'm trying to think. At the Cotton Bowl, yeah, we waited a long time. We waited so long, in fact, that the Cotton Bowl media staff just said, okay, Sark, you and your guys go first, because they were supposed to go last. Yeah. Texas, as the winning team, was supposed to go last. They ended up going first. So we were still waiting on Brent and Davis Bevel and Braden Willis, and I forget who else was up there, but – you know, and here's the thing. We're not scared, all right? We're not scared about you, Texas, at night. But the administrators and all those people, you know, if, if they're, you know, just I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening anytime soon. The bigger question we need, we need to keep that game at the Cotton Bowl. Somebody asked me the other day, do you think it'll stay there? And my answer is yes, but you know what Trump's tradition? What Trump's tradition? Money. <laughs> Greed. So would I say it's 100%? Absolutely not. I would put it at probably 90% right now. But in Oklahoma, Texas, is always going to be a great rivalry, but it will never, ever, ever be the same if they take that game out of Fair Park in the Cotton Bowl. Hopefully, you know, hopefully that won't happen. All right, break time right here. we got T.J. Eckert coming up. We're going to talk a little Sooner football. We're going to talk a little Oklahoma basketball. Neck is the name of the vulgar LSU song. I, you know, I mean, it's really – I am not some total prude, but that song makes me cringe. Stay with us. Coming right back here on The Ref. All right, we are back here on a Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wing studio. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Thanks to Tim Lasher, his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. 
for sponsoring our first hour each and every day here on The Ref, 405-579-3113. Let's welcome in on the Riverwind Casino uh, Hotline, Mr. T.J. Ecker. T.J., I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, Let's start with a little Oklahoma football. Any impressions, any takeaways from the big media bonanza last Thursday with Brent and all the early enrollees and the portal guys? Yeah, Steely, honestly, uh, just kind of a wide-sweeping takeaway from it is I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to talk to all the newcomers, all the freshmen. Um, you know, this hasn't been something that's been allowed at OU or really, honestly, any school in the state that I can think of. I don't think Oklahoma State does it. I don't think we've really ever talked to Tulsa freshmen here at TU. Uh, and I know it. we haven't done that in the past at OU with the other staffs, so... That that was a big deal. I mean, that's it, it seems so trivial and so easy, but that's just something the type of access we don't normally get with with Oklahoma. And so, I, I honestly, it didn't really matter what everybody said. It was just the fact we were getting to talk to everybody and, and hear from players that we would normally wouldn't be able to. That was that stood out to me the most. So that that's you know I'm probably not the most exciting answer, but honestly, that's that's what stood out to me. As far as a couple of the key notes from Brent's presser, TJ, what do you make of the revelation that Peyton Bowen is going to be playing some cheetah for Oklahoma? Or at least that's where they're going to initially work him in alongside Reggie Pearson, Desan McCullough, and Justin Harrington. Because you think about Pearson, six-year senior, McCullough and Harrington, big physical guys somewhere right. between linebackers and safeties physically. And then you got Bowen. A true freshman at all of five foot eleven and one hundred eighty eight pounds. Obviously, he's wonder wondrously gifted. But what does that say about the confidence that this coaching staff has in Bowen? The fact that they're willing to plug him at what might be the most crucial position in Brent Venables' defense. That's exactly right. That's what that was exactly what I was going to say, Parker. Is is maybe not so much the, the the title of the position itself or the bodies that normally play there, but the importance of the position uh, in that in that Brent Venables' defense. It, it's it's honestly in a way. It, cliche but it's kind of the quarterback of that defense in a way it's kind of a, it's, a, it's a guy who can, can be versatile a guy who is is able to come downhill in the run game a guy who's able to, to step out and, and defend the passing game a guy who uh, can rush the passer if needed you know it's just one of those kind of utility man type positions and it's not something typically when when a kid makes a jump from high school to college especially on the defensive side of the ball and they're in the back end or they're kind of this kind of hybrid type position it's a, it takes a lot it's a lot of moving parts. You know, in, in high school, if you're a safety, for instance, like a DB, you, you, your responsibilities are, are less of an importance as, as it is if you're just a freak athlete. And so some guys are able to get away with that in high school, just being really gifted athletes and being able to kind of ball hawk or, or influence a quarterback by, you know, not, by, being, by appearing to be in the wrong spot but really baiting throws and stuff. And so you're not really able to do that in college. You have an assignment, and these guys are all just athletic as you are. And so normally you see that jump take a little bit for the younger guys uh, in the back end, but for them to have that kind of trust in, 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 his, in his abilities but also his intellect, I think, it, I think it speaks volumes. And I think it speaks volumes, too. Obviously, he's going to do anything he can to get on the field immediately, right? But that's a big responsibility to take on as a true freshman. So – I think it says a lot about Peyton Bowen as well. Interesting that DeSan McCullough said that, you know, the OU players walk around like they're going to be 13-0, and 0, so he likes the culture, he likes the attitude, but clearly 6-7 mm-hmm. and seven was a major disappointment in Brent's first year. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much pressure is Brent under in his second year? 
Probably pretty high. Uh, I, I think there's always going to be pressure that comes with being the head coach at Oklahoma, but coming off the worst season in, in a couple decades, I think the pressure is notched up. So on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say the average pressure for a coach in Oklahoma is is, is at a 7 or an 8, right, just to perform and, and, and be at a high level. But crank it up another notch, maybe even two. You're at, maybe you're at a 9. I'm, we're not talking about is it how, how hot is his seat in terms of you know, is he going to get fired? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about simply just the pressure to put out a good product on the field and, and really rebound. I, I put that at like about a nine. I just think it, there's just so much pressure that's already built into the job itself, and then you, you tack on the fact that there was a poor year in your first year. I, I just think that just gets cranked up even more. TJ, Oklahoma basketball as we pivot our attention here from the gridiron to the hardwood more of the same this past Saturday as Oklahoma gets oh so close to toppling a nationally ranked opponent and just can't finish against sixth ranked Texas, losing 85 to 83 in overtime on the road. Can we officially say after that loss that Oklahoma is out of tournament contention? I, I am I am probably way too optimistic. I, I, I think it's yes. I mean it's probably it's probably the dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance type like chance. The, the chances are very low, Parker, but I'm not ready to close the door completely just because the team is at least showing a pulse right now. After those, those back to back to back, really losses of just really being non-existent past couple weeks, I was ready to close the door pretty, pretty tightly, but you show some life. You beat a pretty good Kansas state team and you, and you beat them and play well. You played really good against Texas. I think I said it on social media. It's the best. Even counting the Kansas State game and parts – I mean, the Alabama game was just an unreal. But that felt like the first half and most of the game against Texas was the best I had seen Oklahoma play in quite a while. And uh, they, go, the, they go through a stretch of almost eight minutes without scoring in the second half, at least scoring a basket. Part of that attached to game flow, really. There were so many fouls called. It was, they are doing a lot of their scoring at the free throw line, but – I don't know. I, I just feel like there's a little life in the program right now. Um, you got to you got to win tonight, obviously. Like that's that's step one. But I feel like there's at least a little bit of hope and a little belief in the locker room. And if you can if you can win tonight and maybe string a couple more together, I mean, you got to win out. You got to win out, and you got to probably get a little do a little something in the Big Twelve tournament too. Um, I, I, I'm not ready to shut the door just yet. I am a little concerned, though, because I'm pretty sure, and you can you can fact-check me, I'm pretty sure they can't finish any higher than eighth in the conference. I think they would tie Oklahoma State for seventh if OSU loses out and OU wins out. Not looking at the standings. but I'm pre- So, anyway, the reason I'm saying that is they're not going to be able to get out of the 8-9 game, and they'll play the one seed in the next round if they win that, which will most likely be Kansas. So you're probably going to get rewarded if you if you play well to finish the season by having to play Kansas in the second round of Big 12 tournament. So, honestly, chances are pretty low, but there's at least a little belief in the locker room right now. TJ, before we let you go, what did you think of uh, the big cat at Riviera, and what do you think about Tigers' uh, potential to uh, contend uh, in the future? Yeah, I think Steely is the best we've seen him play since before the car accident. Uh, You know, he played good for a stretch at the Masters last year. Just his body wore down. The main thing for me was that his body looked better. Um, even on on Sunday, his walk was uh, – he's going he's gonna to limp every round regardless, but his limp was better. Uh, his speed was there for the first three rounds. He started losing some speed there at the end of the, of the final round on Sunday. But game looked good. Um, he's only going to sharpen up the short game, and he lost a lot of strokes there, which is normally something he can hang his hat on. So I uh, feel confident. Um, 
be curious to see if he tees it up with the players. Flatter course, should be pretty warm weather. Um, I would imagine if we see him again before the Masters, it'll be there. Some people threw around Bay Hill. I think he picked the players over Bay Hill. So, uh, But, yeah, it was encouraging. I, honestly, if he's able to walk four rounds in a row, the game obviously is still there. You saw some of the shots he hit. He's, uh, he, he can still play. It's just getting that body right. Up and down, 69 Friday, then a uh, 74, then a 67 on Saturday, and a 73 on Sunday for Tiger. Hey, TJ, as always, we appreciate your time. We will talk again soon. Thanks. You bet, guys. Look forward to it. Thanks. TJ Eckert, KTUL-TV, sports director up in T-Town there in green country. All right, break time right here. Let's talk a little more Sooner football when we get back. Hoops tonight, 8 o'clock, ESPN2, Tech in Oklahoma. Maybe the Sooners can find the win column for the fourth time in Big 12 play. Be right back here on The Ref. Back with you. How we doing on a Tuesday? Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Parker, any new big offers, surprising offers, anything happening uh, for the Sooners that's caught your eye uh, since we were on last week? I mean, they've made offers, but, you know, at this point, it's always hard to tell what's going to become of those offers until those guys get the chance to visit campus. Uh, K.J. Daniels is a wide receiver out of the state of Louisiana that they offered just a few days ago. Sounds like he's going to be up for March 4th for OU's big junior day. Uh, That might be one to watch down the line, but... Again, in the month of February, with it being a dead period, typically there's just not going to be a whole lot going on. Michael Hawkins' watch, uh, what time frame are we looking at for him, you think, in terms of announcing? March. I think it'll be next month. And you're confident it will be Oklahoma still? I'm confident it will be Oklahoma, yes. But then again, TCU is in the race, very much in the race. They've got – what's interesting is – TCU's ramping up their pursuit to the point where they're starting to <laughs> almost kind of make provisional offers for everybody around Michael Hawkins. So they just offered a good buddy of his and a seven-on-seven teammate in Denton Geyer wide receiver Josiah Martin the other day. So former teammate of Jackson Arnold there. Uh, potential offer guy for Oklahoma, but they're just kind of keeping him warm at the moment. Have not pulled the trigger. TCU has now. Malcolm Kelly has. And that may be another another bullet point that they try to put before Michael Hawkins uh, to try and sell him on being a Horn Frog as opposed to a Sooner. And the contingency plan for Oklahoma, let's say, you know, Michael Hawkins makes a decision for TCU. Where does Oklahoma go? It's really hard to say, Steely, because – I think the easy answer is you put the full court press on Michael Van Buren out of the state of Maryland, but he's got other interests. I and I with, with with quarterbacks like those, it's always tough to tell. Okay, are you going to be able to be viable in your pursuit of them? Given that they kind of understand, they have to understand right that you had a higher priority at the position at a certain point, and so now they're almost the backup plan in a sense. Um. So first, first recourse I would imagine would be Michael Van Buren. Beyond that, man, I I really don't know. Walker, uh, could they go get Heisenberg away from Auburn? No, nah, he's not budging. Really? If he would, it would be for Clemson, probably. 
There you go. So uh, a lot of the eggs are in the Michael Hawkins basket is what you're telling me. And uh, they've, they've always kind of felt like, you know, because of his legacy and everything, that they have a great chance to land him. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, when do you think – last year we talked about this before. The Sooners had Josh Bates. They had Jackson Arnold um, and, like, two other guys, right, at this time a year ago? Bates. McCarty. Eric That's McCarty from McAllister. Um where do you see him fitting in, by the way, at OU? McCarty? Yep. Uh, he'll play safety. Safety. Um, he's I, So I talked to him at media sessions on Thursday. He's going to sit out all spring because, of course, he suffered that ACL injury back in November at the tail end of his high school career at McAllister. But he's going to be ready for fall camp. He said he's going to be 100% cleared by July. That'll have him prepared for the dawn of fall camp in August. And – he anticipates being able to play in year one at Oklahoma. I think that's a guy that uh, there's there's really no reason to rush him along in terms of his recovery. But one thing about Eric McCarty, man, that's one of the most competitive kids you will ever meet. And he's going to fight tooth and nail to be on the field in year one. Oklahoma's deep enough at safety that uh, he probably doesn't see much action, if any, right off the bat. But – Long term, I think McCarty's a guy that you could see crack the starting lineup and be a player at the University of Oklahoma. And to me, more than anything else, it comes down to that competitive nature. So for spring, we know that Eric McCarty won't be going through, and I guess Walter Rouse has a torn labrum, right? Yep. So he won't be going until fall workouts begin. Jason Llewellyn's going to miss spring as well, foot injury. Okay. And that's that's pretty much it right now? As of right now, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if the, I, it, offhand if I'm missing anybody. But, yeah, those are really the only three that come to mind. Everybody else, for the moment, is a full tilt. Of all the guys that you talked to at uh, the media session last Thursday, I know you. everybody talked about Caleb Schaefer and how impressed they were, but was there anybody that uh, surprised you just kind of with their their comments that maybe you didn't expect uh, I thought Desan McCullough was pretty pretty good, too. Dude sounds like a man, too, doesn't he? That he does. He does. he got a pretty deep voice. I expect him to be – I mean, I, I know that Brent said was Danny, Danny Stutzman was the best player on the defense a year ago, and certainly um, I think Billy Bowman had to be thrown in the mix there, too, and he missed a few games with injury, obviously, that really hurt OU. But um, – I don't know. I, I just have a really good feeling about the McCulloch kid. Highly recruited. And um, who would be the Sooners' best defensive transfer that they've had? Like, historically? or Yeah, and among the portal guys, once we really got into the portal stuff. I know. I was trying to rack my brain, too. That maybe there's an obvious answer. There's always the text line has 5 million people on it, so they'll probably come up with one. But uh, last year. C.J. Colden. Yeah. Jeffrey Johnson was kind of. Hey, he didn't do a whole heck of a not, lot. Not as much as I thought. C.J. Colden might be the guy. Uh, okay, yeah. It's, here you go. The text line mentioned Andrew Ray and Jacob Sexton, both guys that got hurt during the season. Yeah, during the season. Yeah. Uh, as would be Shane Witter, I believe. Brent said he was going to participate in spring ball, but to my understanding, Witter won't be fully cleared. He'll be cleared for 
basically individual drills, but not full contact 11 on 11 action. Somebody asking who is Zion Reagans? Reagans, yeah. Uh, four star wide receiver out of the state of Georgia, I believe. Yeah, Georgia. Uh, Lightning. Five foot nine, 153 pounds, so he's small. Uh, kind of a Hollywood body type in that sense, but electric playmaker. Just dropped a top 12 today. OU was in the top 12. He was on campus at the end of January. January 28th or 29th or whatever it was for OU's most recent junior day. So that's a guy that the staff feels they have a shot with. I I don't know that I would consider OU the favorite, but they're definitely in that race for Zion Reagans. All right. Uh, Winfrey, or was he a JUCO? He was a junior college he guy, He was right? JUCO yeah. courtesy of Iowa Western. Uh, Key Lawrence, yeah. yeah, I'd, yeah. I, Key I Lawrence. still would say C.J. Colden in an overall sense, even just – having spent one year at Oklahoma was more impactful than Key has been in his two years. I don't know. Maybe I'm buying into the hype, and I've been guilty of doing that in the past, but I do feel pretty good about the guys they brought in through the portal on the defensive side of the ball because a lot, of these guys, a lot of these guys are proven already. You know, they've, they've made plays. Bothroyd, McCullough, Trace Ford. These guys have made – you know, Reggie Pearson Jr., they have made plays in a big games. So, I think they're going to be – a a bunch better on the defensive side of the ball. All right, want to thank our friends at Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you. Thank you, Tim, and your company. We've got another hour to go. Stay with us here on The Ref. We are jumping into hour number two here on The Ref. I'm Mike Steely. He's Parker Thune. You're you. How you doing, you? Thank you for tuning in. 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's 405-651-3439. We're going to hear from Porter Moser here in a second. Some thoughts on the matchup with Tech tonight. Tech's been playing uh, much better basketball. They're healthier than they were when the Sooners went back uh, in Lubbock. If we go back in time and they won 68-63, big time night, particularly late for Jalen Hill. Tech didn't have Daniel Bacho or Pop Isaacs. Devion Harmon, former Sooner, averaging 14 points and nearly four assists per game. Uh, again, back in the LNC tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. But I have uh, something, again, I we like to, ladies and gentlemen, Make sure that you lead the best life out there, and you're taught valuable lessons on this show as well, okay? Isn't that right, Parker? We teach valuable lessons here on how to lead a better life. And sometimes pointless lessons. That's right. Here's a pointless All lesson. lessons. I saw something this weekend, and I thought, that's got to be a commandment, you know, one of our commandments on the show. And this commandment is very simple. Don't talk to a pooper. He's looking at me like, what? Now, I know exactly what you're talking well, about. I'm just curious, like, how, how did this come up? Okay, so we went out to eat uh, recently, and on the way back, you know, I, I'm a big liquid guy, so I had, like, two large Diet Dr. Peppers. And then Shay wanted to run by the mall, and so I went in with her, trying to be the good husband. But I had to really pee, you know, because I'm full of Diet Dr. Peppers. So I go into the restroom somewhere and there is a dude it's sitting on the throne and there's another dude like leaning against 
that oh, no. area, you know, talking to the guy. While there are these splashdowns are happening and flushes are happening, they're just carrying on a con- casual conversation. This wasn't like a kid waiting for his dad or a dad waiting for his son. This was just, just two normal dudes. Very unusual. Don't talk to a pooper. I remember at a radio station I worked at a long time ago. I mean, a long time ago. There was a restroom facility that wasn't a big one. This was just one toilet in like a little room. And there was there was a dude that was talking to somebody who was on the commode about a radio remote that he was going to be doing and giving him the details through the door. I'm like, can it not wait? What is wrong with that person who waits there and thinks you can just carry on a conversation with somebody while they're doing their business? Who does number two work for, you know? It was like that conversation. Oh, no. Don't talk to a pooper. Let them do their uh, thing like how and it, catch up with them later. It can't be that important. His, hey, hey, Bill, you got a radio remote uh, tomorrow. All right, wanted to fill you in. Are you there? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, you're going to be here at this location and everything. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, you know, we'll have some talking points for you. <laughs> you know, it was ridiculous. Well, okay, here's the thing. Yes, this is the type of thing that you do need to emphasize publicly Mm -hmm. because people don't understand this somehow. But my question is, why is this not common sense in society? I don't. There are so many things. There are so many things that I feel should be common sense in our society that are not. I feel there are at least 95% of people get that. Dude, when I go and I've got to, you know, in that situation, I'm turning the water on. I'm turning the shower on. I'm turning the overhead fan on. I basically lock myself away in a giant safe to do that i don't want anybody nearby (laughs) nobody's talking to me about a radio remote or anything like that and i just i just don't get it maybe those people just enjoy a good conversation around stench which makes them very peculiar so anyway there's a life lesson for you do not do it please and if you know somebody who who does it if Stage you see something, say something. That's right. Stage an intervention right there. Say, hey, you know, no, you're not supposed to talk to Pooper, okay? Get out of here. That's all you have to do. Okay, 405-651-3439 of the Air Cover Solutions text line. These are the kind of audio nuggets that we drop, pardon the pun, here Drake, there. Drake, I know you're listening. You're not allowed to turn this segment into a promo. Don't even think about it. Hopefully he's not listening. No, he's he's listening. Still. You think so? This is his job is to I, listen. Man, among other things, maybe he's at Chick Fil A or something. Okay, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Zane says, Parker, are you like me? That was more literal. Li- that was more literal than what I was thinking. A pooper was. No, Zane, I understood what Mike was saying. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> How does Steel Man saying pooper way too many times affect recruiting? Definitely a rule I would back. Definitely can't be part of the ref army if you talk to poopers. That's exactly That's right. That's one of our commandments. That's one of our commandments right there. I just was I was shocked when I saw that scene. I wanted to leave the bathroom immediately. I'm like, you guys are really carrying on a conversation like that. Bizarre.
Okay, 405-651-3439. You want to hear from Porter Moser? Sure, Sooner but first, okay. first I want to give a shout-out to this listener who is tuning in from Uchi, Oklahoma. Where is Uchi? E-U-C-H-A. Uchi. I would never have guessed that's how it's pronounced, but I'm also not an Oklahoma local. so I, That's one Oklahoma town that I've never heard of, Uchi. Uchi. Interesting. Now I'm going to have to Google it. I'll Google it while Porter's talking. I'll get you some back, background information. All right, uh, Porter with T-Row this morning, uh, talking about where the Sooners are. Really good effort again in Austin, but they couldn't close the deal. Here's what Porter had to say about uh, a tough loss Saturday in Austin. You know what? You just got to keep fighting for those breaks, and that's just my mentality with these guys. And um, it is, you know, it's not the result we wanted. You know, you go into these things. I do every game expecting to win and, and preparing to win. And I thought our guys had unbelievable fight, in a, in a, and you were there with that atmosphere, with that new arena. I thought the guys fought. I mean, both to find it, we got down six to find a way to get into overtime and then almost find a way to get into double overtime. And, you know, the thing that just you keep going is that we had some costly possessions. You know, we slipped on two drives in the second half turnovers. We had a, a press breaker where the ball just went out of our hands, out of bounds, and then we had another entry pass that just went out of, out of bounds. And everything matters in these close games. And, those are the things you, you dial in on on trying to teach and get better and coach better. And, but the fight these guys had in that atmosphere to fight back against, you know, Texas, who's number six in the country. But not the result we wanted, but the fight is there. The fight is there. No yes. question about it. We saw that from that team on Saturday despite a tough road loss. But much more importantly, I have obtained background information on Uchi, Oklahoma. Really? Okay. What do we have in Uchi? This is straight from the Uchi Wikipedia page. Again, E-U-C-H-A. Uchi. Is a community located in Delaware County, Oklahoma. It is north of Lake Uchi, east of Spavanaugh Lake, west of Lake Uchi Park, and southeast of Grand Lake of the Cherokees. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the Uchi Post Office was established November 20th, 1900. Uchi, well known for its Indian culture, often has Indian taco sales. Oh, yeah, we're headed there. Uchi Lake, named for the town, is noted for the Delaware County Gigging Tournament every year in April. Gigging is an old-fashioned method of fishing that utilizes gigs a long pole that has been tipped with a multi-pronged spear. Fishermen use these trident-like gigs to spear fish while on flat boats. The use of gigging spears reflects the area's Cherokee heritage and keeps the fishing tradition alive. There you go. Uchi, Oklahoma. A census-designated place. How many, uh, what's the population? There is no population listed. No population, so well, because it's a census-designated place, uh, it's, it's not like a, a okay. So there's not like a McDonald's there, obviously. I wouldn't think so. The Uchi Diner or something like that sounds like a cool place. You know, if we had left the uh, land of the Native Americans, this would be a much more beautiful place right now. Just saying, it would be. But no, we had to come corrupt every day. 
I'm just saying, you know, I'm just Steely, saying. you are you are on the precipice I, of getting the entire Air Comfort Solutions text line in a political I'm debate. I'm just saying the Native Americans were so uh, spiritual and protective of the land, and we just came and, you know, we just started to, you know, I understand it. industry was coming and all that stuff. I'm just saying. I bet Uchi is a really beautiful place, just one of those places that hasn't really been touched by time, you know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439 in the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Let's get one more uh, comment from Porter Moser. Davion Harmon, again, uh, will be back in the LNC tonight. He's averaging, as I said, 14 points, nearly four assists per game. Tag didn't have, again, Daniel Bacho or Pop Isaacs in the first meeting, but it was still a good win for Oklahoma, 68-63. They're in Lubbock. Tech's a lot healthier and a lot better right now than they were then. So it's going to be a test for Oklahoma. So, Porter, what's the key in the matchup against Tech? One, we got to space them. Their, their defense, they flood the ball, which means when, right when you put on the deck, they just rotate so fast. They don't let you get to the rim. we got to have great ball movement. In Lubbock, we had phenomenal ball movement. And move the ball, move the ball, and, and we shot it well. You've got to make some shots. Again, when we beat them here last year, we made 13 threes. When we beat them um, uh, at their place this year, I think we made over 10. And we've, we've got it because they're taking away the paint so much, you've got to skip it, skip it, and make some threes. Defensively, we've got to be able to, you know, Davion Harmon is, is really going downhill. He's, he's getting the pace going. We've got to corral him um, to stop that pace and then get to the shooters because they're just driving so much and then kicking into the shooters if you collapse. So we really got to defend that. There you go. Oklahoma, Texas Tech tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. You got Baylor at K-State tonight on ESPN2 at 6 o'clock. Iowa State at Texas, 8 o'clock on the Longhorn Network. Cowboys, man, rough night last night at Morgantown. Oklahoma State's lost three in a row since they had all that momentum. Now the Cowboys very much back on the bubble right now. Mountaineers won again by 18 last night and a good win. It looks like Kansas, you know what they do late in the year. Most seasons they turn into really good Kansas, and that was a nice win for the Jayhawks, 63-58 at TCU last night. A couple big games tonight in uh, National College Basketball, Tennessee playing at Texas A&M and Marquette at Creighton. Let's break right here. When we get back, we'll head back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. This hour, presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, Exit 72, great deals, cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles, big-time Hall of Fame guarantee from Seth himself, oil changes, engines for life, on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Coming right back on the Home of Sooner Fans. Ah, nothing wrong with a little sublime. Always good stuff. 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. With the Sooners headed to the SEC... What do you think Oklahoma should do with the non-conference schedule? It, it doesn't happen every year, but it feels like most years OU has at least a pretty good non-conference opponent, and you're gonna, you're not going to stack them with, you know, um, like a trip to Columbus uh, and then somewhere else. But do you think the Sooners should continue to play a really good uh, non-conference opponent every year like every other year? What do you think? I'm thinking, you know, you think of some of the great games 
you know, in OU history, and that 77 Ohio State game comes to mind, the game where Baker and company went back to uh, the horseshoe and paid back Ohio State. Uh, you know, Ohio State had come to Norman the previous year and beat the Sooners. That was the uh, Austin Kendall made the basic defense comments, and then Baker and company uh, went there and won again in Columbus. So uh, you just think of a lot of big non-conference games. The Florida State win was nice. Uh, the Tennessee win obviously kind of set the wheels in motion for Muleshoe in that offense and really uh, kind of got Baker Mayfield uh, rolling as the Sooner quarterback. So I, we're saying this, Tyler and I were talking earlier because Chris Del Conte was talking about the Texas AD wanting to play seven, conf- seven home games a year. So uh, with the SEC schedule, and part of it is – I guess you need to see who who's in your three-game rotation. but And I'm not saying bring in freaking Sam Houston State and, you know, Tarleton State or whatever, but how difficult should the non-con be? What would you – if you were in a room with Joe C and you were on the advisory committee, how would you try and structure the non-con moving forward? I, I mean, to me, this is my, my personal opinion – I would do my best to sustain any rivalry series that are going to be non-conference in the future. And I get that – I think the example that jumps to mind is Oklahoma State, right? You'd like to keep Bedlam going, I think, because it's an easy claim to superiority within the Sooner State. But if there was a way to put OSU on the schedule every single year, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Now, it's easier said than done. Right, because not there are non-conference feelings. games. Well, and there are non-conference games scheduled out to like twenty thirty-nine at this point. Correct. Right. So there's not always going to be an opening on the calendar, a existing opening on the calendar to be able to play that game every year. But man, to me, if I'm Joe C, I, I'm probably not stacking the non-con, just because the SEC is going to be a grind. And you want your team to have a couple of tune-up opportunities before they get into the heat of SEC play. I'll be intrigued to find out whether in the new SEC, Oklahoma has all three non-conference games at the beginning of the season. Or if they have that one random non-conference game dropped in the middle of November like it seems like every SEC team has. Yeah, and somebody uh, putting in the text on the SEC mandates all teams play one uh, Power 5 team in the non-conference football schedule. Yes, and I'm in favor of that. And... I don't think that uh, the Sooners would go the route other than not playing one. But, you know, I'm talking about marquee matchups, going to Columbus, going to Ann Arbor, going to places like that. I hope that will continue. And, again, I think your safety net is the 12-team playoff, you know. By the way, I want to talk uh, the 951 because we're going to be at Cavens uh, tomorrow from uh, the 951. I would just like to thank Amanda, Jessica, Dillon, and the entire team at Cavens Construction for repairing my hot water tank roof fitting system this morning within 24 hours of asking for help. So uh, great quality at a fair price and quick work. Yes, uh, we're going to be at Cavens tomorrow. Plank will be there 9 to noon. I'll be there 12 to 2. We'll see Duke. The Wonder Dog will be there. And the folks at Cavens are uh, big time. They are awesome. So I appreciate you saying that because they will do a great job for you. Okay, um, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, do you guys think Porter is back next season? If not, who are some candidates? Yes, I think Porter's back next season. I, I think, yeah, with the Notre Dame thing kind of dying, at, dying down, Parker, um, you would expect that. Also, I think people – first off, we have multiple Uchi listeners because I mentioned Uchi, and I think people thought that I was looking at the listener map 
the digitally generated listener map that we get every single day. We had like three listeners be like, I bet that's me. And it wasn't any of those three listeners because it was somebody else that texted really? in saying, hey, I'm listening from Uchi. So apparently we're big we've, in got Uchi. The, we've got the market cornered we in Uchi. We have cornered the Uchi market is what we have done. That's awesome. That I can put that off my checklist. Corner the Uchi market. Done. On the topic of talking to poopers, we had a listener text in and say, when my kid was young, I had a guy that came in and asked if he could pray with me. Wow. I like I I straight up would not respond. Yeah. You put me in that situation, I am not responding. I am giving you the silent treatment. I I hopefully this isn't a big thing. I've only seen it happen a couple times, three or four times in my life, but it just it scared me this past weekend. Somebody on the text line said, "The place is a dump." Apparently referring to Uchi. So, there are Uchi haters. As well. We have Uchi listeners, but we also have Uchi haters. Come on. The text line is divided on everything, Steely. You know this. Trust me, your comment about the Native American population in Oklahoma I'm last saying, segment, yeah. that got people fired Look, up. Look, well, I'm talking about it. I know some people are saying, yes, I agree, but industry was nice to get. Yes, I agree, but I found myself watching 1923 last night. Or was it eight? Which one is the one with uh, Harrison Ford? And Helen Mirren. It's a Yellowstone spinoff. It's a prelude. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, what's it called? What's it called? What's it called? Is it 1923? or eight? Yes. I think yeah, it's 1923. I'm rooting for the Native Americans. There's some evil people that came over, the settlers, that, and I'm rooting for the Native Americans in every one of those encounters. I'm like, what horrible people that came over here? Some of them, anyway. It's not all of them, obviously, but if you've watched 1923, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, yes, kick their ass, you know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So yeah. anyway, but I'm just saying that, man, when you watch like Yellowstone or whatever, and that's what national parks are for, but um, I've always been fascinated by that culture and the way that the Native Americans treated the land and spirituality that they had and um just been fascinated by that and like i said in 1923 i am rooting for them because some of those people were just pure evil listener the 951 says i would give oklahoma state first dibs for an annual non-conference game after that i would try to rekindle the nebraska annual game then notre dame coming in as their choice what about rotating like the the military uh like army air force navy doing that every now and then that would be cool are we the ever service gonna, academies? Yeah, the service academies. We're going to say gonna, we respect the troops more so than any other power I five would institution. Love, how cool was it? You know, Army nearly came into Norman and won that game the last time they were here. And I remember Kenneth Murray shaking every every guy's uh, hand, you know, all of those guys. Uh, it was awesome. But there's just such a level of respect when any of the academies come in. 1923 says the 405 was clapping when that priest got scalped. Well, that one deserved it. He was preaching evil. Mike from Ardmore, well, actually guy of the day, Mm -hmm. says, Steely, 1923 isn't real. Well, I'm not saying it's 100% historically accurate or whatever, but I am just saying that I'm rooting, for the most part, 
for one side. I'm just saying. Okay, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. That's the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Listen, you want to give me an annual non-conference game with Nebraska? I'm for As a native Nebraskan? Mm-hmm. All day. All day, yes and amen. Notre Dame, I don't know if I could do that. I probably would get batteries thrown at me if I went to South Bend at this point. Well, I mean, Notre Dame and Oklahoma used to have, and I know the Sooners have won there, and, of course, Notre Dame ended the 47-game uh, winning streak and Norman on the Dick Lynch touchdown. So they've had some some pretty good uh, matchups in the past, legendary matchups in the past. Okay, break time right here, Okay. And we want to thank again the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72. Great selection. Great service. Great team out there. They're going to help you get the vehicle you're looking for. And then they're going to back it with a Seth guarantee of oil changes, engines for life, newer used gas or diesel. No additional cost to you. Does Johnny mention Uchi in here? Let's listen closely as we go to break. All right. Welcome back. Going to get locked in at 2 o'clock. Tyler McComas is back, so he'll be joining Parker here in a little bit. OU men's basketball team back in action at the LNC tonight. 8 p.m. Texas Tech, $2 soda, small popcorn, or 12-ounce beers. Heck of a deal. Friday, the uh, baseball team takes on uh, Ryder at 3 p.m., $5 general admission tickets, also Friday, the women's gymnastics team hosting West Virginia at 645. Whiteout night, $2 soda, small popcorn, 12-ounce beers. Again, on uh, the menu there, and the first 150 fans receive a voucher for OU Women's Gymnastics Coffee Cup. That can be picked up after the meet. The Sooner uh, baseball team did beat Air Force 8-6 to yesterday. They'll actually play Adeline Christian at uh, Globe Life Field Wednesday at 6 o'clock in Arlington. Then that three-game set with Ryder. University from New Jersey, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that is your Sooner Weekly Update brought to you by Wade Electric here on The Ref. 405-651-3439. Sooner women, by the way, huge game Saturday, 1 o'clock at the LNC. Uh, They lost at Texas by 20 back on January 25th. And now this is basically looks like it's going to be the battle for the Big 12 regular season championship coming up Saturday at 1 o'clock, Oklahoma and Texas. That is going to be a big-time atmosphere. Okay, once again, Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. OU versus Notre Dame for the rights to play like a champion. There you go. I mean, come on. Lou Holtz, man. He's been a thorn in OU's side. You know, they won that Orange Bowl game with Roland Sales and Ron Calcagney when the Sooners really didn't show up that night. And and then he, he stakes the claim to play like a champion. I mean, come on. Elsewhere on the text line, a service academy each year, an easy team from Texas, and an easy team from another recruiting hotbed. That's That's not a bad idea. I don't know how feasible that is with the way the schedules are playing out, but I think it'd be cool, you know, down the road if you had, um, you know, some kind of rotation. You probably couldn't do it, you know, every year, but Air Force or Army's been to Norman, obviously, Navy, uh, you know, that would be super cool. Super cool. Let's see what else we got. What else are the folks saying? I graduated from OU and date back to the old Big Eight. 
I currently live in the Nashville area, and both of my kids went to the University of Tennessee. I've been to several Tennessee games over the last four or five years, and I've watched the SEC from the belly of the beast. Trust me, once OU moves to the SEC, you don't want your eyes to be bigger than your stomach when it comes to non-conference games. We're going to have all the tough games we can handle in conference play. Well, I mean, that's that's true. But, again, I think the good thing is you've got a 12-team playoff and you're still Oklahoma. I understand maybe you're not going to, uh, you know, put Ohio State in the schedule every other year, home and home, or but uh, they still got to play some quality non-conference opponents. This SEC thing, is it about money? 100%. But it's also part of that money equation is also, I mean, the TV contracts are the big thing, right? But putting butts in seats, too, because people are getting uh, fatigued of seeing a lot of these same matchups. And now, you know, I think you're going to have, not that the Sooners, again, have had a lot of empty seats, but, you know, people want to see some new, more exciting matchups, and the SEC is going to bring bring more energy to uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium also. From the 918s, oops, Sooners play Tech tonight. May be close if Sherfield shows up and Uwe and T. Groves control the boards. Sooners 82, Tech 78. Man, this is this is one that Oklahoma has to have coming off that loss to Texas because you're not making the tournament. You're not. That can't be the expectation or even something that's being talked about regarding this OU basketball program right. at this point. But I, I think these last four games of conference play are crucial because – it's going to drastically affect the public perception of Porter Moser heading into year three. Because if this team shows fight down the stretch, Steely, if maybe they don't beat teams like Kansas State and Iowa State, but they hang tough with them, they show that they can keep pace. And, you know, you fight your way to a 500 record or something close to it then at least you got something to be optimistic about heading into year three. But if the narrative is, oh, boy, oh, you could have resurrected their season at Texas but choked that game away in overtime and then hit a skid and couldn't figure anything out the last few games this season, then there's going to be a lot less leeway for Porter, at least in the eyes of the fan base, as year three comes around. Yeah, I mean, you need to get some momentum, absolutely. And uh, I don't know, you know, we would we had talked about that uh, the Tech game was the one game you would look at and say, well, this is where Oklahoma would be favored. But Tech's playing better basketball right now. Like I said, they're healthy now. They weren't as healthy. They had two starters out uh, again in that first game in Lubbock. Not to discredit Oklahoma's win, it was a really good win to go to Lubbock. And Jalen Hill had a great night and. Uh, we'll see. And, and again, some Oklahoma flavor, obviously, in the tech lineup with Davion Harmon, and you've got Kevin O'Banner, who was at ORU. So it'll be interesting to see what that crowd looks like tonight. And uh, this is a win, you know, the Sooners need for momentum, you know, because there's a good chance you've got at Iowa State after that. Then you have to go to Manhattan to play K State. Then you've got TCU with Mike Miles back now. And I know they lost to KU at home last night, but I mean, you don't win tonight. It's very unlikely you're going to win again, you know. And that's my thing. Like, to me, it's less about momentum down the stretch here and more about damage control. Yeah. You yeah. don't want the wheels to fall all the way off. That's true. 
Okay, back to the text line, 405-651-3439, and that is, again, uh, the Air Comfort Solutions text line. With the SEC wins and a tournament win, they'll at least get an NIT bid, or should. Thing is, I'm fairly certain you have to be at least 500 to get an NIT berth, Steely. Am I wrong? Is that still the rule? I don't know. We'd have to go ahead and Google it up, but um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Uh, from the nine one eight, they don't have the players, Parker. That simple. All that does not matter. And we've, I I think we've discussed this, but you can make, you can look back to what Porter did at Loyola Chicago and argue, okay, he didn't have the players to make a Final Four run, at least on paper. But it's about having the right players, the right personnel, to execute the system properly. And right now, I think the Sooners have some decent players. They are undermanned in terms of sheer talent. But I also think if Porter had a roster of the right players, he'd be able to make do more so than he has to this point. They need more athletic big guys, right? That uh, they're just not athletic enough there. They need, uh, obviously, Parker, they need better talent all the way around, but particularly in that area. And didn't uh, Caden Cooper had some unbelievable game last night, right? Did he, he really? He had like 27 points, 29 rebounds, uh, nine assists. 29 like rebounds is a lot of rebounds. So, uh, yeah, it was a nice night for him. Sooner four star signee. That's him and Jacob Cole. Jacob Jacoby. I don't know exactly how it's pronounced, but those are the two guys uh, in Oklahoma's signing class for the 2023 cycle. One's a 6'7 wing, the other a 6'5 wing. Yeah, Porter's going to have to go to the portal and get somebody with size this offseason because you lose Tanner Groves. And from what I'm told, there is no guarantee that Jalen Hill plays a fifth year at Oklahoma. He's eligible to. But what's interesting to me is that I I spoke to a well-placed source on the matter, and they said, yeah, he might just decide to be done with basketball after four seasons. Really? Yeah. Which, I mean, look, if he's not going to the NBA, and at this point he's a good player, he's not NBA good. If you're not going to the NBA and you have no interest in doing the overseas tour for eight, ten years of your life, you know, it makes sense. So uh, Sam and Edmund said that Cooper's numbers were uh, 29, 27, 29 points, 27 boards, and 10 assists. So, yeah, the triple-double. That's impressive. Very impressive. Speaking of triple-doubles, uh, Russell Westbrook, L.A. Clippers. L.A. Clippers. Russ reunited, and it feels so good. So with he doesn't Paul even George. have to move. No, and, um, and uh, Kawhi there with the Clippers. You know, I think a lot of people are going back retroactively and, you know, trying to say that Russell – well, not that he wasn't any good, but Russell Westbrook was one of the best players in the NBA for a while. Am I saying he's the best teammate? Is he the best fit for a team to win a championship? No, but he was a tremendous talent. And there's so many people out there that I think are feeling, you know, later in his career like, well, Russell, he just can't play at all. Russell Westbrook, are you kidding me? We'll see what happens there. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people think he'll be coming off the bench there. We'll see if Terrence Mann is kind of their, uh, their point guard, you know, even though there's not a really a true point guard there. But we'll see. But I think uh, if Russ comes off the bench there with the Clippers, it could get interesting. So, 
I don't know, but it's uh, – I'm still of the opinion Russ won't win a championship, but we'll see. We will see. The Clippers, uh, I think they're up to the four seed now in the West, so they'll uh, – how about how about the Clippers and the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, Russ versus Kevin Durant? Now, they're not the arch enemies they were after KD left anymore. They patched things up. That would be interesting. Okay, let's take a break right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you on this Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune. And we're going to come back and get to as many texts as we can. Sooner Women's Softball Team next in action Friday. Doubleheader, Mary Nutter Classic Friday, 2.30, Cal State Fullerton, A&M Friday at 5 o'clock. We'll be right back. We are back. One last segment. How we doing, everybody? Hope you're good. Hope you're good. Sooner basketball tonight again, 8 o'clock, ESPN2. And, of course, T-Row on the call again tonight, 7.30 pregame show. So, this could be it. If the Sooners don't win this one, uh, they could finish. Uh, that would put them at 13-15. and 15. 13 and 18 going to the Big 12 tournament. And again, you'd have a tough draw. So if you finish 13 and 19, that's, you know, we'll see. Can they beat Tech tonight? Absolutely they can. But Tech has been playing uh, better basketball. And again, Tech is healthier than they were when the Sooners first won in Lubbock. And sometimes when you see a team go beat another team on their home floor, that team comes back and pays back that loss with a win on the on the other squad's home floor. But we'll see what happens tonight. 405-651-3439. Tyler is back today. We're going to get locked in with Tyler coming up here in just a little bit. Riverwind Casino, uh, Saturday night, the big culmination to the 75K Love to Getaway promotion. We, uh, again, had uh, grand prize winners who won travel vouchers back in mid-February from Ray's Travel for $10,000 each. That was the first big giveaway of this promotion. And then uh, this Saturday night, between 7 and 11.30, they will be drawing for a lot of winners that are going to win $10,000 in cash and bonus play. That's the preliminary drawings from 7 to 10. So make sure you keep playing with your Riverwind wild card while you can. And then the drawings begin Saturday night again at 7 p.m. And then just before midnight, Five grand prize winners are going to be chosen to win $5,000 in cash each. Five different patrons are going to win five grand in cash uh, in the five drawings they have just before midnight happening at Riverwind Casino. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. All right, why don't we try and get to as many texts as we can. When Moser gets a couple vicious, real big guys who can shoot and rebound, we'll have a better chance to compete. That's... Okay, you're right, sure, but that could be said about literally any other basketball program and any other coach, right? Anytime you get a couple big, vicious guys who can shoot and rebound with size, yeah, you're going to have a better chance to compete. The question is, where are those guys going to come from? And they're going to have to come through the transfer portal. Yeah. Because Moser hasn't recruited bigs to date. Now, they got a commitment from Luke Northweather late in the – recruiting cycle last year Uh, he hasn't played much if at all this season now he's a big that can shoot uh i he was a three-star prospect 
late riser. I think he picked OU, as I recall, over offers from Missouri and Wyoming. So, again, that's the Gatorade player of the year in the state of Missouri when he was a high school senior. But you'd like to have some additional ammunition behind that guy if you're relying on him to fill the void that is left by Tanner Groves and potentially Jalen Hill. You're going to need size. And right now what you have on your vent or on your bench, excuse me, probably not going to cut it in that regard, not without a lot more development. So can you go to the portal once this season ends and bring in a couple of high-impact bigs? That is the predominant question right now as far as Porter Moser is concerned because if he wants this team to be more competitive in their final season in the Big 12 next year, they're going to have to get bigger. And not only are they going to have to get bigger, they're going to have to get deeper when it comes to their bigs because – Right now, if Tanner Groves isn't on the floor, man, you're relying on a walk-on in Sam Godwin, who's done some nice things. But the fact that you're tur- you you got to turn to a walk-on when your starting center is off the floor, that's a pretty damning indictment of the lack of depth right now among post players for Oklahoma. Steely, what are the chances of Porter? Uh, what are Porter's chances of landing Jimmy Chitwood uh, out of Indiana? Jimmy, well, they could run the picket fence. There's no doubt he can knock down that shot. No doubt. Well, you know, all you Moser haters out there, you know Jimmy Chitwood's M.O. He plays, coach stays. Coach goes, he goes. Hoosiers was such a great movie. It was. So good. Still is. Uh, saw some videos of the boys working with Schmitty, says one listener. Hoping this offseason goes as well as they used to back in like 2000 through 2008. Now, you have seen Ethan Downs, and he looked pretty uh, jacked up last year, but he even looks like, uh, you know, and I guess Danny Stutzman looks the same way. Each year with Schmitty is a, a very valuable experience in terms of uh, strength and conditioning because he's, he's not the best. He's certainly up there. There's no doubt about it. And it makes you wonder, right, given how physically freakish some of these incoming freshmen already are, what's going to happen when Schmitty really gets the opportunity to go to work on these guys? Because Caden Green showed up to campus at six foot five, 312 pounds. Phil Pichotti showed up to campus at 6'3", 237. PJ showed up at 6'4", 226, and put on 12 pounds within three weeks. So, when you get the freakish DNA, Derek LeBlanc, 6'5", 267. You got guys that are already physical specimens. Once Schmitty really gets a hold of them and gets the opportunity to uh, dig in and get them in football shape for the University of Oklahoma as opposed to football shape for whatever high school program they were playing at, man, there are a lot of individuals in this 2023 class that have very high ceilings, and that's going to raise the ceiling for Oklahoma as a team collectively. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, no doubt about it, uh, to see again how these freshmen and all of them we're talking about. I love their attitudes, and what else are they going to say? No, they stink. Of course, they're not fun, but they're you know it was uh, Champ Sanders who was saying, you know, yeah, they're tough. That's it. And it was like Danny Stutzman in that video that OU released, OU football tweeted out, you know, what's it like with high school? Oh. Pfft. Not even in the same ballpark, basically, he said. But they're tough, not even close to what we had in high school. Totally different uh, situation, but they're necessary. So 
like hearing that from those young guys, the new early and early enrollees at OU. Okay. Out of time, ladies and gentlemen, Parker is back with Tyler today for locked in at the top of the hour. Get ready to get locked in. A lot of pseudo recruiting and football talk. Always put in that 60-minute window so uh, you'll get your fill. want to thank our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, and our friends at Riverwind Casino. Saturday night, big drawings for cash bonus play, and five grand prize winners will be chosen to win $5,000 in cash each Saturday night at Riverwind. We'll see you.